First Corinthians. Hallelujah. Chapter 10. And verse 6, if you would. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan, pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. Do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Let's pray. God, come tonight. We sense your presence right here, right now. And we ask, God, that you would move in our lives, that you would move in this house, that you'd move across the Internet touching people. Come on, if you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, go ahead and do it now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Maybe seated. Before entering into all that God has for us, we're going to have to we're going to have to leave the past. We're going to have to leave our our Egypt, if you will. Egypt is a type of the world, type of sin. All the Old Testament is types and shadows of the greater things to come, which we're living in. You know, I saw the reports of what has taken place in Chardon, and and I am reminded of the reality that if we don't have a great outpouring of the Spirit of God to change our cities and to change our towns and to change our boroughs, our nation is in serious trouble. In fact, we're in serious trouble already. The Egypt can represent old patterns or systems of thinking, acting, and believing. If you're going to enter into all that God has, you've got to get Egypt out of you. People of God today are just like those in the bondage of Egypt thousands of years ago. But God's got a plan. I want you to turn now to Hebrews 11. Two sections of Scripture. We're going to look at Hebrews 11 and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 50. Genesis 50 and Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is called by many the the hall of faith because it is there that the writer of the book of Hebrews, and we're not sure who that is, some say it's Paul, could be I suppose, but it's, it's, it's not written like the writings of Paul, it's a little different. They're not sure who actually wrote it. Hebrews 11 recounts these great men of God. And I'm going to start here in verse 17. 
The whole, th- the whole chapter is amazing. The whole book of Hebrews is revelatory. By faith, verse 17, Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it was through Isaac that your offspring would be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt, and he gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. edict. Let's stop there. Turn to Genesis chapter 50. While you're turning, let me say that one of the things that really has always stood out at me out of the book of Hebrews is the account of Joseph. Genesis 50, please, if you would. The account of Joseph is amazing to me. Just one little line about the faith of Joseph. Because Joseph did amazing. I mean, really, he was amazing. It's a type of Christ. And when you read Scripture, there's really three things to understand. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more. But three things to understand when reading the Old Testament. There's a basic interpretation of what's being said for the time period, historical, culturally. There's a practical application. How does this apply to me in the time and the age that I'm living right now? And then there's a prophetic understanding. And in Hebrews 11, y'all there now in, in, uh, in Genesis 50. We'll get there in just a moment. In Hebrews 11, Joseph is not accredited for the, the fact that he had this incredible dream language that God gave him. The, his, the hall of faith doesn't credit him. He was this amazing prophetic dreamer. Doesn't say anything about it. It doesn't say anything about the fact that he was thrown in a pit, was able to overcome that, or went to Potiphar's house and didn't get seduced by Potiphar's wife. It doesn't say any, it doesn't talk about his dream interpretation. It doesn't talk about the favor or the, the excellence. It doesn't talk about any of those things. It says one thing about Joseph. Now I've read the story of Joseph and I've seen the cartoon probably a hundred times. The only thing it talks about Joseph is that he gave commandment concerning, he spoke about the exodus that the Israelites would go through, and he gave commandment, he gave commandment concerning his bones. Now that is encrypted. And I've preached on it before. It, when you just, don't just read through the word. Don't just read stuff and go, oh yeah, he gave concernment about his bones, and then Moses, there's a whole bunch there about Moses. It's, it's awesome too. Maybe we'll get to it. Joseph was 
accredited in the hall of faith, these great men and women of God, because he prophesied about the Exodus and he gave commandment concerning his bones. Not his gifting, not his purity, not passing the test of delay. And I might say, as a, as a small rabbit trail, some of you are in the test of delay. Because you've delayed, it doesn't mean you've been denied. And in the, in the midst of delay, God, the word of the Lord, as it says in Psalms, I believe it's 103 or 105, somewhere in there. The word of the Lord tested Joseph until it came to pass. And some of you have, how many of you, how many of you are standing on something that God said? You've got a promise from God. You're believing God. You've got this prophetic thing, this promise from God. And it's, and you haven't seen it come to pass. That test of delay. You know, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a, you say, God, what's taking you so long? You'll say, I'll be there in just a second. You can do the math on that. Look, God's more interested God is more interested in, in, in making you into a man or a woman of character and integrity. Look, this is just a, this is an internship. You're just passing through. I've said it over and over and over and over again. This is a test. Ooh, this is a test. Come on, when I was a, when I was a kid, I used to watch TV a lot. They used to have these tests that would come on and the whole thing would go blank and fuzzy with this countdown deal on it. Anybody remember when the TV used to turn off? You just dated yourself right there. Wave your hand, huh? Genesis 50. Verse 24. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. God will surely, this is, this is what Hebrews 11 is talking about this. So we're going back to when he said it, Genesis 50. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and will take you up out of this land. He promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. What is up with the bones? The bones for tonight, and they're like I like I said and have said many times, there are many different levels of revelation. And if you read a text of Scripture and, and find out that you've got deeper meaning, I've got some great news for you. There's many different levels that you haven't even seen yet. But for tonight, what I sense the Lord was saying to us is that you need to have your identity in the kingdom of God. You need to have your bones not resting in Egypt. Your identity does not need, should not be planted where you've suffered, where you've been, even where you've labored or where God has prospered you. Your identity needs to be in what God said, what God's going to do. You are just passing through this place. Listen to me. This is a test. It's a test. This is not it. And sometimes we get so freaked out because we're looking at what's in front of us and we're going, Oh, God! 
Where are your bones tonight? Where is your identity tonight? Joseph was prospered in Egypt. I mean, he had it going on. He didn't have it so good at the beginning, but eventually it really came through for him. I believe that that statement right there was, I am with the people of God. Do not leave me my bones here. I'm with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You don't leave me here. I'm, I'm going in with the rest of you. My, my bones are going in. Of course, he's dead and gone, but his bones representing the, 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 his identity, who he was at the core. That even, in, even after, listen, the decisions you're making right now will affect the generation later. Don't be foolish like the, one of the kings that said, well, judgment comes to the, I forget which king it was, but he'd done something really foolish and stupid. Hezekiah? Hezekiah, I believe you're right. I, 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 you know, judgment comes to me, says, whoo, thank God, it's not coming in my lifetime, it's going to be on my grandkids. What kind of a moron is that? Come on, somebody say moron. What kind of a person would just think in terms of their own life? Live your life like, like God is going to, Jesus is going to return tonight and plan like he's not coming in your lifetime. Plan for future generations. Sow seed. Believe God. Live in accountability and integrity and righteousness and holiness. It matters. It does matter. Where is your bones tonight? What are you resting in? Where are you settled? Really what Joseph was saying is I'm going to identify with the covenant. I'm going to identify with the covenant. I'm not going to identify in this place that even though God blessed me. Manasseh and Ephraim, his two sons. Do you know what the two, the two sons, the names of the two sons? Ephraim means faithfulness. Oh, pardon me, fruitfulness. Ephraim means fruitfulness. That literally, God, he named one of his sons, and in the land of my slavery, God has given me fruitfulness. The name of his other son is Manasseh. You know what that is? Forgetfulness. You, some of you need to forget the pit that they threw you in. And literally, if you're going to move into the covenant promises of God, you're going to have to forget the pain that your parents put you through. You're going to have to get healed. You're going to, get, you're going to have to get healed. Come on, somebody say, Jesus, heal me. You've got to work through the memories. You've got to work through the time when you were abandoned. You need to work through the things that, that cause you to still live in Egypt. And if you don't work through them, then your bones stay in Egypt and you will actually miss out on the fullness of what God has for you. I'm not saying miss heaven, although I do believe that's possible. Hello? Are you, I thought it's once saved, always saved. I personally don't believe that. You say, what is the sin then that makes somebody lose their salvation? I don't think it's like that. I think it's more, I think it's a little gray area. We don't know. There's a gradual, it can be a gradual turning of your heart. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. And see to it that no one has a sinful, unbelieving, deceitful heart and turns from the Lord. I think there is a turning that can come. And and here's what I've found. I've found that these things in me from Egypt in my own personal life, I've had to scrap to get them out. I've had to labor to make sure that my bones and my identity is completely in the kingdom. And many times, I mean, we had a situation that happened just recently, like today. 
He had a little family thing, extended family. And there was just a misunderstanding. But I found in that misunderstanding with my mother that I, I found that all of a sudden I found this, mm, I found this, this little twist of a dagger. It was a fiery dart from the wicked one. And even though I, of course, have some responsibility in it, what was thought about was not true. And here's what I was able to do. I think maybe, not necessarily for the first time, but I understood very clearly that my heart was right before God. And though I was misunderstood, and I certainly, I I could have done some different things to make it clear. And I'm I'm being vague, I know. But when somebody has a problem with you, oftentimes it's because of their own heart and the way that they're thinking about situations. Not necessarily you. Don't take it to the core. Don't take it to your identity. Be responsible. In other words, I didn't, I could have done better. Oh, I know you all walk on water today. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, we can all do better and I have to be responsible for that and I've repented for my responsibility in it. But, but the big enchilada, I could have really been hurt by it. But as I, as I, as it, as it came across, I'm realizing that doesn't even, I'm not going to let that hurt simply because that is not me. And that was not my intention. And my bones aren't in that place, although they used to be. Listen, when you go through things and people hurt you and offend you, I've got news for you. It ain't about them. It's about you. How do you live above offense? How can you live above offense? Simple. You get rid of all the stuff on the inside of you that's offendable. You're going to have people that mistreat you. Welcome to the human race. Hallelujah. Yeah. Mistreatment's common. And it really is a gift from God to make sure that your identity ain't in all of that. Mistreatment often comes, and when it comes, how you respond. Responding in meekness to mistreatment is key. It's a key to moving forward. And either you don't respond in meekness, and you get elevated. If you respond in meekness, you get elevated. Meekness attracts the favor of God. If you respond in meekness, you get elevated, you get more favor, and you move forward. You become more like Jesus. How would you like to be Him? Oh, my goodness. Despised and rejected. A man of sorrows. They plucked out his beard. They stuffed a crown of thorns on his head. Spit on him. Whipped by the bulls of Bashan. If you, if you correlate the Old Testament, the Psalms. The bulls of Bashan surrounded me. Well, you know what that means? You know what the bulls of Bashan are? They are the most freakish, wild, crazy bulls there are. You know what the picture is, is that when Jesus was getting whipped by those Romans, those weren't just average Romans carrying out their duties. Those were fully demonized guards that were ripping the flesh off of the Son of God. It's not just a whipping, okay? Just a whipping, oh, I mean, you know, come on. You're going to do a good job whipping somebody because you're just going to be a good Roman soldier, right? No, that's not the picture. The picture is that these Roman soldiers were totally demonized, Demon power and strength, a, a demonic unction from hell upon them that when they would, when they would rip and rip his flesh off, it wasn't just an, an average whipping. That's the picture. Somebody say, wow, he did it for me. Yes, he did. Where are your bones tonight? Where is your identity? 
when you make a choice to leave your personal Egypt, then and only then can you enter into your destiny. I will not identify with all that's happened in my father's house. I will not. And when I say father's house, I don't mean the house of God. I mean, I mean my own bloodlines. There's wonderful things that took place in my house, in my growing up, and there's some stuff that ain't so wonderful. And I will not identify with that. And I'm finding as I get a little older that I, that I, I see these roots and these things that try to creep into my, the next generation of my own children. Not on my watch, man. You say, are you, what, are you, what are you saying? I'm saying I'm watching over my kids. I'm really acutely aware through prayer of the different pitfalls and things that happened for my parents and things that happened for me, and I see a correlation. I see a line. That thing ends in my, in my life. Now, here's the thing. Every generation, has to, every generation has to break their own generational bondages. See, I've broken them over my life, and as God reveals more to me, I will continue to walk and believe and declare and proclaim and decree that my bones are not in Egypt. My bones are not in what my family came out of. I'm in the covenant house of God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to control myself. I'm going to live in holiness, righteousness, purity. I'm going to have long patience. Uh, long patience? Long-suffering patience. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, give me long patience, God. You say, no, I don't want to pray that prayer because when you pray for patience and you have a lot of problems, you got a lot of problems anyway, just claim you have patience. It's fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Yes, you have it. So just declare it. I don't know whoever came up with that. I personally think it's stupid. Look, you're just going to have stuff. Be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. Do not, you know, don't consider it strange. You have all kinds of fiery trials. Hello? Choose to have your identity in God. Not in the wealth or the fame or the hurt or the pain or sexual abuse. Choose to have your identity in the covenant promises of God. That's what Joseph was saying. He didn't reject the wealth of Egypt, by the way. Now, some of you business people need to hear this. There needs to come a shift in the hearts and the minds of the people of God God needs to, like God needs something. I should say God wants to release wealth. I'm just telling you, he wants to do it. But, but, but he's got to find somebody who can be trusted with it. I mean, if you don't tithe, you have got to be brain damaged. I'm sorry. I used to say you're stupid, but I don't say that anymore. You have to be in covenant with God. And if you have a problem tithing, really, you're not in covenant with God in that area. I mean, your heart is... is you say, well, I just don't believe that theologically. It's because you haven't studied. Come on. And people that try to make an argument to say, well, that's not from God, they don't know, they don't know either. He said, well, that's 10%. That's the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. Well, then let me just say this. Then it ought at least be 10 it should actually probably be more like 90 or something. I don't, I don't know. God wants to put his finger on things in your life to identify the areas of your bones or your identity that are not in covenant with God. Is your whole heart with him? Or you're being seduced by wealth. Are you being seduced by fame? Are you being seduced by popularity? Or an increase in the anointing? 
Joseph did not reject the wealth of Egypt, but he embraced it for the purposes of the kingdom. And I just know tonight, even as I read through Proverbs today in morning prayer and just thinking about what God wants to do. He has his paving company is gold. He uses gold. He doesn't use asphalt and he's not impressed by it. And he wants to he wants to release to his people. Why? Why would he want to do that? He wants to do that for the sake of the kingdom of God. If you're going to accomplish anything in God, you're going to need three things. This is Dr. Morocco language right here. The three things. This is worth writing in your Bible somewhere. The three things that you will need if you're going to accomplish a vision for God. Number one, you need the anointing, the yoke-destroying, burden-lifting power of God. Because anything else, without the anointing, nothing happens. You could try to do something in your own flesh, but it's not going to produce anything but pride in you. And in the end, it'll burn. But he's chosen us and appointed us to bear forth fruit. God wants to release dreams and visions and, 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 and catapult us forward in order to move forward into that. You're going to have to have the anointing. Everybody say, God, I need a greater anointing. Now listen to this. The anointing comes from intimacy with God. It doesn't come because you read 50 chapters in the Word. It doesn't come because you just prayed some prayer and just to pray it. Or you, you held yourself up all night or didn't eat food. It comes out of an intimacy with the Holy Spirit who's not a dove and He's not an it. He's a person. And once you become close with Him and He begins to talk to you and you yield to Him and He puts His finger on stuff and you, you repent and, and you have this, 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 this dance with God and the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the favor of God grows. Why? For the sake of His purposes, for the sake of His covenant, for the sake of the vision that He wants to use you in. The anointing doesn't come just because you came to church for the love of God or poured a bunch of oil over the top of your head. Come on, or you just ate vegetables for a month? Well, I believe in fasting. I believe in going to the house of God. I believe in all of those things. But intimacy with God is how the anointing, the power of God, the presence of God comes in a greater way in your life. Being sensitive to Him. Going to fulfill a vision for God, number one, you have to have the anointing. Number two, you're going to have to have people. People? Yeah, if the vision you're doing is just you doing it, it's too small. That's the vision you have. The vision that God has, there's no way you could do it by yourself. Come on, we are the body of Christ, right? So God wants to use His body, wants to use His bride, wants to pull us all together, use the gifts, use the anointing, use us. Come on. That person who you might be sitting next to that irritates you, they're a gift from God. You just have to see it. The anointing? People. Everybody say you need people. Paul could not fulfill the vision that God gave him of preaching to the Gentiles without Priscilla, Aquila, Timothy, his apostolic team. He could not do it. And I will tell you, you can't do what God's called you to by yourself. It's never designed that way. We cannot do, you know, what we're doing here by ourselves. I had somebody say, Pastor, man, you're just a great pastor. I said, what? Jesus, help me. <laughs> 
the things that we call fall short and I feel like sand is sifting through my fingers. We had a meeting before just to, just to help care for people in a greater way. Why? I can't do it. Long ago. Jesus, help me. I'm being touched now because I have this great responsibility, but I know that I can't do it. So I'm saying, God, this is your church. You want to build it, the gates of hell won't prevail. Lord, you're going to have to bring some committed, faithful, loyal laborers to see this thing happen because I can't do it. It's a burden from God. I was talking about how faces just flash in front of my face when I'm lying down. I took a nap. I was so exhausted. Didn't get to sleep till three in the morning this morning. Got up for morning prayer. Had to, I had to lie down because otherwise I'd have been sitting here drooling. Saying, okay, let's just say, Jesus loves me. Can't remember the rest. We'll close in prayer and go home. I had, to, I had to take a rest. I took a rest. And while I'm resting, I'm just seeing face after face after face of the people that are missing. Boom, 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 boom. I'm saying, Jesus, 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 help us, God. Help us. Yeah, well, we'll pray more for you, Pastor. Do a good job. Oh, shut up. Get involved, for the love of God. I don't need a cheering squad or a team or a bunch of cheerleaders. We need people getting involved. Now, if you're offended, please forgive me. God bless you if you're here for the first time. You're going to fulfill a vision. You have to have the anointing, people, money. You need money. How many of you need money? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Those are the three things you need to fulfill vision. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm totally unashamed about it. Absolutely. So let's take a big fat offering right now. I'm just kidding. Joseph embraced the wealth of Egypt. And God is looking for Josephs. God is looking for people who have their identity in the covenant. People who are not moved by fame or fortune or elevation. People who are not moved by the accolades of man. People who are not moved by the robe or the ring. People who are not moved by, by somebody who gets excited in the fact that they showed up. God is moved by people who are faithful and loyal and will, will do what God called them to do. And be in covenant community. I absolutely believe in being in a covenant relationship in a local house of God. I've been around long enough to see in Alaska. There's a lot of fruit nates. Fruit nates? Fruit, fruit flakes. Where's Nate? I love you. Praise the Lord. Fruit flakes and nuts. Fruit cakes? You get the idea. I've known people that have breezed in and just want to preach for us. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're excited. Oh, I, hey, God's anointing me. Good. Toilets are right in the back. Praise the Lord. Get started. That's good. Preach to the toilet. Where are your bones tonight? If your bones are still in Egypt, you'll have a hard time fulfilling the vision. You'll have a hard time walking out what God's called you to walk out. You'll have a very hard time. You need the anointing. You need to have your identity in God. Joseph had every reason to reject the people of God. Now listen to some of me who have been wounded. And the, and, and, the, and the Lord is on this real strong tonight. Micah, would you come please? Joseph had every reason to reject the people of God. Every reason. 
what kind of church is that? I mean, it was his family, but I mean, what kind of family is that? Sold him into slavery. You think you came from dysfunction. Did they sell you into slavery? The case, the tr- the case may be for, for some, yes, that has happened. That does happen. It's a horrible thing. Generally, probably nobody here was ever sold into slavery. Although, let's think again. Perhaps you had things that happened in your home that nobody talked about, but they knew. And you became a slave of sorts. Is that being sold into slavery? Yeah. Maybe you had a pastor that abused you. Or you gave your heart to the Lord under that pastor, that ministry, and time went on and come to discover that that pastor slept with the secretary or or really hurt you or took your money or did some crazy thing. What about that? That happens all the time. All the time. Joseph had every reason to reject the people of God, but he didn't. He didn't do it. In fact, when you read the story of Joseph, and I read it this, I read it this week with my children, and it's just amazing to me. Joseph says in the end, when he's restored with his brothers, he says, don't hold this against yourself. God brought me here to save you. And some of you, if you could have a turn, Get your bones out of the past. Get your identity out of that stuff. Get healed. Get healed. Well, how do you get healed, Pastor? It's really pretty easy, although it doesn't feel so good. It feels good when you're done. I was talking to somebody recently. They've lost their fire. They lost their zeal. They don't witness anymore. They have a hard time singing. And they were so totally on fire years ago. But because of heartbreak and disappointment and woundedness that took place and a bitterness of soul that began to happen, they didn't view that thing the way that God would have them view it. So they began to get mad and get angry and they still love the Lord, but they found themselves cooling off and before cooling off went to not going to church. And they still read their Bible at home and they would still pray. They'd still worship, but then soon reading your Bible at home, praying and worship, that faded off a little bit too. Before you know it, you got a little Christian Christian radio going when you're going to work and you're you're praying. You know, I used to make I used to make a game with God. Every time I'd cross over train tracks, I'd go, Oh Jesus, help me. Before you know it, your prayer life, which used to be intimacy with God, is praying over train tracks or under bridges. Jesus help me. God help me. So your prayer life that went from intimacy and touching and changing people and sparing missionaries and seeing the lost saved because you prayed goes from a Jesus help me and you begin to cool off and I talked with them and they said this to me they said I just can't forgive them and they expressed all that happened now listen you go through some stuff that might happen to you I just can't they've left their bones in Egypt don't do it And so I just told them straight, which I enjoy doing. It's a gift I have. So brace yourself. I'm going to just tell you what I told them because it's going to hurt a little bit. All right. Are you ready? You still love me? You have to. Hallelujah. I said, okay, so you can't forgive them. They said, 
No, I can't. You don't understand. I said, no, no, no. I'm, I'm sure I don't understand the fullness of it. But let's, uh, let's, let's look at this prayer. And I've done this here before, but let's just do it again. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, what does that mean? What's trespass? Debt? What is debt? Sin. Forgive us our sin as we, as we, as we forgive those who sin against us. So if somebody does something horrible to me and I don't forgive them, what do you think happens to you? You better believe it. Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. Let that sink in. Okay, so let that sink in. So you want, to be, you want to be filled with bitterness and unforgiveness. And so as a result, you'll stand before the throne of God with that and see how that works. You want to see how that works? Okay, if that didn't hurt, this will. What you're really saying, when you will not forgive somebody, now, that doesn't mean you're going to put yourself under the bus again. That doesn't mean, look, somebody runs me over with a bus. They're driving it. I'm going to check that crosswalk next time I'm coming across, right? (laughs) There's the bus. Hey, praise the Lord. I forgive you. What's up? Which way are you going? (laughs) It's called boundaries, right? Okay, good. You know, once, shame on you. Twice, shame on me. You ever heard of that? Okay, my mom used to say that. But when you don't forgive somebody, what you're really saying is this. And the same is true when you have, a, you have an identity crisis and you don't, you don't feel good about yourself. You're not worthy. Don't raise your hand. whole bunch of people here. You don't feel worthy. It's because you're full of pride. You are full of pride. If you can't forgive somebody and you don't feel worthy and you've got all this stuff, it's, it's pride. You say, I don't like that. What are you talking about? I'm going to leave. We're locking the doors right now. Listen to this. You see, really what you're saying is that what Jesus did on Calvary, all that He did, the Son of God left, left eternity to live in this cesspool, which is what it is in comparison to heaven, put on robes of flesh, walked the earth for 33 years, cast out devils, did signs, wonders, and miracles. 300 scriptures that prophesied that He would come. The Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. Ah! Hey, awesome, would take the sin of the world, was pierced for our transgressions, was wounded for our iniquity, the chastisement that brought us peace, Isaiah 53, 700 years, 700 years before Jesus ever came, that He would send His only Son, God, Emmanuel, God with us, would come. And through the shedding of His innocent, sinless blood, Wash away the sins of all who would call on His name and repent. To as many as believed in Him, He gave them the right to become sons of God, children of God. So what you're saying, when you can't forgive somebody, and when you just don't feel like you're worthy, what you're really saying, it's really two separate issues, but I feel both of them in the room. What you're really saying is, I know you died on a cross, but that ain't good enough for me. That ain't good enough for me. Because in order for me to forgive them, you're just going to have to come and die again. Or something. 
I mean, it's like serious blasphemy. You're saying that your offense, what happened to you and what happened to your family, what happened to you and what happened to your kids, what your last pastor did or ten years ago where you've left your bones, what God did on the cross, not enough for you to let that thing go. You need something more. No, no, you're full of pride. Somebody say, ouch. It's, and, 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 and just to deal with that bitterness thing and in closing this last point, I don't even think I hit any of my points, but hopefully you got something. The unworthiness thing. Is you feel like a worm all the time. You need to take your, your thoughts and begin to change them. Force them out of your head. They're lies. They're lies. Don't believe the lie. Stand up and realize what Jesus has done for you. Associate now, tie yourself to the covenant promise of God that you are a new creation. Although you might have done some things and you'll have people that will come to remind you of the way you used to be. That happened to me today. It happened to me today. Because of some of the stuff that I did, there's a seed there that maybe you did that again. And I didn't. Because that guy's dead. And the seed, although we talk about seed, that was a seed that was sown and it just, it ran a, reaped a harvest and the enemy wanted to pierce me through. How could they not believe you? Shut up! How could, how could they believe really? I mean, the stuff that I did. I mean, come on! Come on, stuff that some of you guys did and then some of the people look at you and still think that you are the same way. What, how else are they supposed to think of you? Well, they should just believe that I'm a new creation. Why don't you stink and act like one? And then in time, Trust is rebuilt. Where are your bones? Who are you affiliating with? Praise God for forgetfulness, Manasseh. Praise God for fruitfulness, Ephraim. If you struggle with unworthiness, battle against it, push it out of your life. It's not from God. Not if you're saved. And you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Renew your mind, you know. All right. I hope you got something. Stand up on your feet. Keep playing. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. Come on, just lift your voice. I'm not going to leave my bones in Egypt, no. I'm not going to leave my bones in Egypt, no, 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 I won't, no, I won't, no, I won't, no, I won't, no. I'm going all the way. I'm crossing over tonight. I'm leaving my past. I'm leaving my pain. I'm being born again. Oh, I'm not going to leave my bones in Egypt. No, no, no. Not going to leave my bones in Egypt. My identity is in you, Jesus. My identity is in you, Jesus. My identity is in you, Jesus. Yes, it is. 
Yes, it is. My identity is in you, Jesus. My identity is in you, Jesus. I'm not going to leave my bones in Egypt. Not going to leave my bones. My identity is in you, Jesus. My identity is in you, Lord. Not going to leave my bones in Egypt, no. I'm not going to leave my bones. Hey, I'm leaving all the pain. I'm leaving all the pain. I'm leaving all the pain, yes. I'm going to walk in the covenant promises of God. I'm going to walk in the covenant promises of the Lord. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. They don't see what you've done in me. I have officially messed myself up. Praise the Lord. Put your hands together for God. Come on. Come on, turn to the person on your right and person on your left and say, where are your bones? Come on, where are your bones? Where are your bones? Where are your bones at? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Come on, say it. I'm not going to leave my bones in Egypt. I'm not going to leave my bones in Egypt. I'm not going to leave my bones in Egypt. No, I won't. No, I won't. Sing it. I'm not going to leave my bones in Egypt. I'm not going to leave my bones in Egypt. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. Everybody sing with all your heart. Not gonna leave my bones in Egypt. Not gonna leave my bones in Egypt. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna leave my bones in Egypt. I'm not gonna leave my bones in Egypt. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. Leave the past behind me. I'm stepping away from all the pain. Ooh, ooh. Come on, somebody say, I'm brand new. I'm let go of all of that stuff. My identity's in the covenant with the relationship of God. I'm going to live in the promises. I'm just passing through this place. This is just a test. And I'm going to pass. Because you're going to strengthen me. And the good work that He began in me, He will complete. Amen. Amen. One more time, put your hands together for God. Woo! Come on, give a shout to God. Ah! Hallelujah. Take someone by the hand tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done tonight. And even as Joseph was recorded in the Hall of Faith, so I believe that you're making a scroll of remembrance tonight where we are saying we are not going to identify with our past. We are not going to identify with the things of dysfunction from our own families or experiences that we've had in the church, outside the church, in the community, or growing up, in our middle-aged years, in our youth years. We're not going to identify with all of that stuff. We identify with who we are in you.
We're the righteousness of God on Christ Jesus. We're brand new in you. The old has gone. And the new has come. So let us walk in the covenant purposes of God. Living above offense. And when offense comes, may we take a deep look inside and realize that we need healing. Use us. Use us, O oh God. That the way that we would live would bring many, that would usher many people into your kingdom. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Put your hands together for God. God bless you, Lord. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. We love you. God bless you. The uh, formal members meeting will start in five minutes, please. And will be approximately five minutes long if we do it right.